Welcome to Young Americans, a weekly DIY depth psychology podcast where we explore differential diagnoses on reality narratives and creative ways we navigate the void. I am one of your two hosts. My name is Jillian Masland, and here with me today is Brooke Macbeth. Hello, greetings from Los Angeles, California. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, Jillian and I have decided to talk today about Saturn and bringing you up to speed on what's happening currently in our time and place in the world. Uh, Protests have continued, more police officers have been arrested for murdering black people, and we are in a massive time of cultural reckoning where we're standing up to this authoritarian energy that has kept so many people kept down for so long. What were you going to say, Jillian? Oh, I was just quickly going to add, it'll no longer be relevant by the time we drop this, but this coming weekend, as we record, is going to be Juneteenth weekend, and it's, as Juneteenth, going to be a a massive sort of rallying point for protests. So there are some, like, in excess of 200, 300 profiles, profile protests. (laughs) (laughs) 200, 300 protests are um, being organized worldwide, globally. So this should be like a very powerful weekend. Additionally, there is an eclipse on Saturday. So it's a jam-packed weekend. There's all this astrological energy. Uh, There's supposed to be a portal opening right now, according to something I read on Instagram this morning, in which we come into contact with our deepest father wounds. So... Let's hang out with our father wounds. You ready? Yes. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get into this because I just did a, a breezy little dip into Wikipedia <laughs> and got real, <laughs> got real fired up about some um, of like maybe the lesser known, lesser visited aspects of the, um, the original Saturn in mythology. And um, yeah. So you had mentioned that there's a, a piece of writing that you wanted to um There's to a do. little bit of original Saturn in here. It's uh, from Manly P. Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages, which, you know, people should have this book. It's got a little bit of everything in it, but here's what he has to say about Saturn. Each of the four primary elements, as taught by the early philosophers, had its analog in the quaternary terrestrial con- constitution of man. The rocks and earth correspond to the bones and flesh the water to the various fluids, the air to the gases, and the fire to the bodily heat. Since the bones are the framework that sustains the corporeal structure, they may be regarded as a fitting emblem of the spirit, the divine foundation which supports the composite fabric of mind, soul, and body. To the initiate, the skeleton of death, holding in bony fingers the reaper's scythe, denotes Saturn, Kronos, the father of the gods, carrying the sickle with which he mutilated Oranos, his own sire. So that sounds like some of the stuff you're going to get into. There's a little more of this manly, and we can come back to it later. But I no, love the you vision did. of Saturn as skeleton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely here in the notes that I made about um, getting, we'll get a little deeper into it going forward. but. Um, Father Time having the scythe, as well as obviously the Grim Reaper with the scythe. Um, That's that's Saturn. You know, that's that's all kind of coming from a very similar um, point of departure in our ways of kind of or not anthropomorphizing, but um, personifying. Weirdly, I'm having this thought now that uh, the bad boy urge that many women, including myself, have 
over, you know, during their lifetimes is actually a father urge instead of a rebellion urge. Um, and you and I talked about that earlier, about how this sort of collapses in on itself, the rebellion and the acceptance are ultimately the same, especially when it comes to dealing with father demons and father demon figures. Yeah, maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll get us rolling with some of these notes um, that I had, like, as I was doing, because what I, I came in all hot on Saturn in that kind of Saturn Capricorn devil card kind of way. Oh, yeah. It's so often when it comes up in, say, you're reading, you know, the astrological weather forecast there'll be like a square, which for anyone who's new to astrology, a square is a way in which two planetary influences will be oriented, um, opposing one another at an angle that is considered to be like a very challenging, difficult angle. Um, so there might be a square involving Saturn and there tends to be a lot of, oh, you know, the old regime is, is doubling down and all the Monopoly man fat cats are like stepping on children. And like, you know, there's this real sense of that, that like just devouring, greedy, um, self, like self-driven, self-preserving, um, stingy, like that father who sits like Mr. Burns at the big fucking glossy table yes. and like just disapproves of everything. Except for Oh, yeah. I have a Saturn square in my birth chart. I have Saturn square my north node in Scorpio. Ouch. So that's what informs my fuck you dad attitude. <laughs> I mean. So yeah, when we started talking about this, this was kind of my, my initial thing after we did the hanged man last week was, yeah, now we're all going to say, fuck you, dad. Your world is over. Like, you know. But it's harder than you think it's going to be. You can be all pissed <laughs> off and like crazy. really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah on fire about it and just not get anything done because it's exhausting to approach it in that way. Me personally, sorry. the thing that I was feeling was not as constructive as I thought initially when I was all on fire with the fuck you feelings. Well, I mean, what I was going to say about that is that like I started with that because that's kind of the first thing you, um, you think of when you think of Saturn because everybody thinks about the Saturn return and how that's this like nightmare that we almost can <laughs> with in our lives, um, which is another astrological thing I'll just really quickly um, mention, which uh, the Saturn return, a lot of people will talk about it if you start to get into astrology. What it means is that Saturn, the way I think of it is like when you're born, it's a little bit like when all the fairies come and like hover around. Um, Give you your blessings. Yeah, in yeah. Um, original Princess Aurora Disney mm -hmm. version of Sleeping Beauty, but like instead, it's like you got Mr. like crotchety old father time, like leaning his scythe on his shoulder, <laughs> like kind of making notes about you in his ledger. And then he goes for a walk because that's the, the circuit Saturn takes. And he goes for a walk for approximately 27 to 28 years. And then he shows up and he kind of delivers this like referendum on your life mm -hmm. based on whatever it was that he noted when you were born. And then you're kind of having this reckoning with that. Um, and I think that's a really good gateway into what I wanted to say a little bit about from my light, <laughs> light research. <that> I did <laughs> there. Um, so where um, Saturn started in like the sort of origins of the, um, the gods of antiquity, so like thinking Western antiquity, Western culture, Rome, 
Uh, he was associated with time. Like he's kind of considered to be father time. And what's interesting about the Kronos element is that so the, there are these two schools of thought about time. There's Kronos time and Kairos time. And they both have these kind of representative entities, Kronos and Kairos. And Saturn actually contains both of them in this sort of Kali kind of way where it's like the destroyer and the mother. But he's so he's like... The Kronos time is what we would consider to be linear time. It's mm -hmm. the time that marches in one direction and it's all about It's your quantity. chronology. Mm -hmm. Chronology, quantity, and um, Kronos also as a titan, the um, prototype before he became a god was Kronos the titan who would devour all of his children. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of seen sometimes as this... Um, byword for the way that generations just pass and pass and pass and it just kind of keeps going and going and going and like you're born you die you die you know they like but like chronos is there the whole time kind of like governing all of that mm -hmm. and then the kairos time is considered to be um i wrote it down some words about it um it's considered to be the right critical opportune moment time. It's the quality time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who talk about um, kind of like when Damien Eccles was saying solar consciousness, that idea of like pure, complete mindfulness and awareness mm -hmm. of exactly like the climate of everything that's going on and you're everything. In the when you're in that, yeah. Yeah, like the, what a lot of people would describe as like a flow state mm -hmm. or that sense that you're like, just doors are opening and everything like you really see it all like mm -hmm. unfolding and and feeling and the, el the elasticity of time uh is much more apparent in kairos time yeah mm -hmm. it, it definitely is um and but actually saturn is both and the other thing that's really cool getting back i'm sorry i'm kind of going on a lot but i, I want no i love like, this it's great um getting back to the the part about um the saturn as the kind of daddy, you know, the kind of Wall Street daddy Saturn, <laughs> is that in antiquity, Saturn was also considered to be the god of free speech and of, um, what else was he the god of? Other amazing things. Destruction, disillusion, and loosening, which is the absolute, exactly what we have going on right now. And that kind of harkens back to the fact, too, that in original astrology, before they discovered the outermost planets, Saturn ruled Capricorn, but it also ruled Aquarius. Yeah, which I mean. <laughs> daddy issues and it ruled fuck you daddy all at I once. I know, I mean, my dad is the one who taught me how to question authority and rebel, you know. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that parents teach their children that end up biting them in the ass later, so. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to have expansion and constriction altogether uh, in such an emotionally sometimes tense spot. I know a lot of people have Saturn troubles with their charts. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, yeah, because it's the place, and it's funny because this is kind of like a, like a dad or a parent or like not even necessarily like a person who you um, share DNA with mm -hmm. where the person comes into your life who, um, who kind of shows you that you're not doing as much as you could be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of like white America is having to have like a walk in the woods about oh, right now. Having so much trouble with this. People are very fragile. 
white people are very fragile. And I mean, I am a white person, but I, you know, I don't know. I feel it does no one any favors if your reaction to a correction is to like cry, <laughs> you know, just take the correction. Well, I mean, I think Listen it's not a it. problem. It's not a problem to cry. I think where the, where the issue begins to develop is when you cry and as you're crying, you start to come up with a way to like justify whatever it was and get really defensive about Darvo. it. Yeah. Deny, attack, yeah. reverse victim and offender. There's just Darvo happening all over the place. And I'm pretty sure that most of the people doing it online that I've been seeing are not aware even that um, what created it is the system that people are describing. It's not like, you know, you and your fragile white guilt person X in the world, or maybe me or whatever, hmm. uh, you're destroying us. the world. You're like this because you grew up in this too. And this is a shitty system. This is a shitty system that benefits really no one except for a very few people. And it's an especially difficult time to accept that kind of dad energy because that kind of dad energy seems pretty fucking responsible for a lot of these scary things that are happening in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, at least I'm having a hard time with that. You know, there's so much of value to be learned there and we're missing out on the learning because, um, it has been culturally replaced with control and cruelty and scare tactics to keep people in line. Well, and in addition to that, I wrote a note about Saturnalia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Saturnalia um, was a Roman festival, which a lot of people um, will contend was sort of like, along with Yule, sort of Roman like Christmas. funneled, funneled yeah. into Christmas eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and something about that that really stuck out to me, like in addition to what everything you're saying about the kind of um, the very overt, clear, um, bad dad energy, yeah. you know, where you're like, yeah, it's great to say fuck you to my dad when my dad is like a, a horrible cop, fucking asshole, when, yeah. like, a cop <laughs> and like looking at like literal children yeah. and thinking that they're dangerous, oh. you know, thugs or something, yeah. and um, that. In Saturnalia, part of the festival included free speech, gift giving, revelry, and role reversal, which still occurs like Mummers and Boxing Day. And I think there's something quite insidious in that is that as you're living in this dystopia, there are like these little distractions and there are all these things that are happening that are very, very clearly like when you really step back one and look from another angle it's really they're unfair. just there yeah. to like give us this temporary yeah. sense that also, like oh no but i'm a fun dad like actually this isn't that bad because look I, I like give you these cookies and like you one day is just an acknowledgement that they're treating you badly the rest of the time <laughs> sure yeah yeah and then narcissistic you tactic of feeding crumbs and yeah and that's that thing of the being fed with crumbs and that um it's like stockholm syndrome i mean mm -hmm. that's what it is it's yeah. when you begin to um identify with your oppressor and you you begin to feel like very grateful for the fact that they're giving you fucking nothing yeah. but that at least they're not you know what hitting you the whole time or you know it's like yeah or <laughs> i mean if you happen to notice that they're not really giving you anything and they notice that you notice <laughs> shit can get bad things mm -hmm. go sideways at that point too i mean it's a really uh it's just the long-term captivity i mean Capitalism-tivity. Yeah. 
But even pre-capitalism, I'm still listening to the Ancient Egypt book. Listeners, oh. if you exist. I've been listening to Toby Wilkinson's The Rise and Fall of Ancient Egypt. And um, I only listen to a little at a time, so it's going to take me a while. But slavery has been around this whole time. Mm-hmm. You have a tiny little handful of people. Some of those people decide that they're actually gods, and that's how they practice. And some of the people, you know, engage in massive propaganda campaigns. But the same basic thing is still happening. Most mm-hmm. of the people are not having a great physical experience here on earth. Mm -mm. And that gets into the Christianity thing too. Like we talked about this a little while ago before we started the podcast where, you know, there's this whole propaganda of suffering in this life for a reward later. Yeah. I mean, what the shit? (laughs) What the shit is right. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you were just saying about slavery because And this is like, this is a bit of, it's not actually a stretch, but it's something that like, it's kind of a lot more to have to digest than just like what's immediately in front of us is it, it occurred to me, um, not that long ago, actually, I'm kind of embarrassed that it took me this long to have this sort of revelation that the entirety of the British empire, which is so fucked up. Yeah. And you know, ultimately gives rise to America and is including the slave trade that is the slave trade that is like sort of one of the more contemporary manifestations of a slave trade. It's daddy issues about the fucking Roman Empire. Dude. Yeah. The Roman Empire, you know, there were all these sort of like blue painted faced, lime woad, mohawked, fucking skin wearing <laughs> warrior tribes, just like yeah, my pagans and barbarians. Yeah minding their own business oh, up in worshiping trees and being rad shooting arrows it's and like maybe every now and again a little light human sacrifice in a bog you know <laughs> <laughs> they're doing their thing though you know yeah. like just in very much the same way that the native people um the indigenous people of the americas were doing you know and 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 throughout europe you had german you know what is now germany and all these places you know people were just kind of whatever just going along and then the fucking legionnaires come marching in with a stick with an eagle on it and like a piece of you know whatever like a flag and then they're they're doing that you know they're they're making people live in a way that isn't the way that they live because they're claiming it's a good way or the best way or the only way or the right way and ultimately like the the people of the British Isles really internalized that and um, they turned around and did the exact same fucking thing. You know, it's like the abuser becomes the abused on like an absolutely epic scale. Ideas of slavery are fundamental to Western philosophical thought. I mean, like I can't, you know, Aristotle went way into it. Uh, I mean, and he was wrong about a lot of things. I'm no expert in this subject, but he's not my favorite. And uh, his idea of a natural slave, God, what a dirty little worm of an idea that stayed alive for a long, long time. This was his way of justifying why no Greek could ever be a slave, but like other people are definitely suited for that. Like, fuck you, man. Yeah, I mean, that's like into the, into the 20th century eugenics, the bell yeah. curve. You're inventing a cosmology wherein you're always at the top of the food chain right. and that therefore justifies. See those turn of the century sciences, mm-hmm. air quotes, like phrenology. I mean, what yeah. and this is recent. Yeah, this is like within the past hundred years, yeah. definitely. It's going, and I mean, still people, this is something people still think. Getting back to the, the sense of time and like we just sort of started getting into some pretty long form 
views on time. And that's kind of like the amazing part about time too, is it's like statistics. You can compress it, expand it, um, slice it up. Yeah, for example, however you want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gosh, one of my favorite like mathematical things my dad ever said to me was you can make statistics say anything you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. It's more of a, it's more of an art than a science. It's more almost like, um, oh, what's the word? Like, like divination with entrails, <laughs> you know, than it is. A little bit tea leafy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And you can do, you know, you can use it to justify things like gerrymandering. You can do it to, you can really start turning those numbers around and making some really evil spells with them. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, um, as we've seen with crime numbers by region. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All over totally. the US. The thing about the time and the scythe and Saturn and everything is that he's very associated with agriculture. Um, and one thing that I found that I, I really liked that I wanted to mention is that the potential derivation of the, the name of Saturn, the one school of thought is that it comes from, um, I'm gonna butcher this, but it's uh, Sterculius, Stercutus, or Stercis, or Stercis. Uh, I don't know if that's like a seed. Um, which are agricultural functions and it derives from sterchis which means dung manure and is all about re-emergence from death to life oh that makes so so much like, sense he's like i mean the, you need a reaper during harvest season he's the compost yeah composter yeah. um but i think what's what's fascinating about it is it's sort of like it's got that yin and that yang and that basically someone just got the bit between their teeth and really amplified this one side of Saturn to create this, this idea that, that we naturally, like we both had as people who like to think that we kind of pay attention to this, yeah. that it's all about the, um, you know, like the fat cat, the, the rich dad, and actually that this whole other side of it, which maybe has something to do with like the fear of death in our society and the fact that so many of these types of personalities who, who seek that power are uh, incredibly reluctant to acknowledge their own mortality. Like look at the fucking, I don't even want to say the name, but the person who's currently the president of the United States, that fucker doesn't think he's ever gonna die. No, I don't think he does. Uh, and, oh God, <laughs> I mean, there's so much to say about that guy. <sighs> He doesn't think he's ever gonna die. Uh, he is not able to tolerate criticism of any kind. I mean, mm -hmm. he seems to be a completely typical narcissist and there seems to be a lot of that. And then I think about that in terms of, you know, monsters who end up in the news, one of whom uh, I just watched a documentary about on Netflix that was totally fucking disturbing. And you think about how these are monsters that- I mean, if you want to say the name of that person or allude to who that person might have been, I think a lot of people may have watched that documentary too. Oh my God, it was the Jeffrey Epstein documentary and it was awful. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good documentary, but um, what a monster. Um, and I just had the impression over and over again, watching the interviews with him, that he was a demon who fed on the fear of these children. And uh, a lot of these dudes seem like they're demons who feed on fear. They, it's not that they don't know that they're scaring people and hurting people. They just don't care and or like that. Yeah, there's that aspect of feeding on fear. I think there's also the, the absolutely like unfettered appetite component right. as well. Like Appetite, access, and enabling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
there are children's stories that try, you know, like Brothers Grimm and like the really scary, gory German ones that try to kind of caution children against being too greedy. And it's very tricky though, because this very same thing is then used against someone who's starving, you know, and saying right. like, you're starving, like you shouldn't be greedy, you starving person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <they're, laughs> Take the what you message can get, is not person. like, it's not applicable at the same degree <laughs> to, no. to everybody. <laughs> no. But, yeah, it's that thing of like, that real, real cognitive dissonance where you get to a place where for whatever reason, whatever like chemical malfunction is going on to create this idea you have about like yourself and how you are permitted to operate in the mm -hmm. world where you'll look at another person and be like, I see there a place where I can like put my cum and yeah. I don't care what happens. Yeah. I see there a place where I can like Oh, that's a resource I can exploit. And, and yeah. cut into pieces and like whatever. And I don't care what happens because right. it's just, it's not even a person to me. Like, but I'm, I want to do that. I want to do that. It's super infantile. You it know, it's incredibly yeah. undeveloped as, um, as an urge. Yeah. <laughs> to think like everything here exists for me and I can do whatever I want with it and there are no consequences. Like you're a baby. That's what babies think. <laughs> That's but, what brand new newborn babies yeah. who don't know anything at all think. Yeah, it's it's a very scary thing to think it can be like that can be maintained as a way of operating in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty revealing moment culturally seeing how many people really think that they're entitled to the world as their personal resource at the expense of so many other people. I mean, yeah, because it's even something like on a small scale, like we're definitely seeing it in terms of white privilege, but mm -hmm. it's something that's as simple as like, and this is going to sound so trite in like the context of everything else we're talking about. But like when I was working in a coffee shop and people just will, you can pry their single use plastic straw from their cold dead hands. Like oh, yeah. that's fucking right and you just think to yourself like this is such a small small thing yeah so small yeah definitely not something that you need yeah <laughs> like objectively yeah. you just actually don't need it it's it's a preference you don't even it's need coffee from the coffee shop <laughs> really it's something that you've grown used to so oh, you God. feel it is a part of your life and you feel threatened by the fact that i am like questioning whether or not you need this straw and then just like apply that to like, so <laughs> many things. <laughs> uh, I feel like that was sort of the um, <laughs> perception that uh, certain like government entities had of the protests at first because the rush to reopen from the coronavirus closings seemed like that, a rush. Uh, and now there's this big uptick in cases, of course, but it was like they thought people were tantruming for their toy and that their toy was the economy, <laughs> which it isn't. Then that gets kind of back to the Saturnalia thing where it's like distracting a toddler and oh, you're yes, like, yes, I'll take this. Oh, oh, I see. You're upset. Well, yeah. here. Play here, with my keys for a minute. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Like, don't take any more time. Don't let yourself get worked up, like having the time. I'm not going to pay attention to what's bothering you. Just take this distraction. Yeah. Phew. What else about Saturn? <laughs> I don't know. Do we have more Saturn? I'm see. sure we do. We've I mean, only done 30 minutes, so. 
yeah, this has been like a real <laughs> fired up 30 minutes. Roller for 30 minutes. Oh, I have this thing about spirits being the men of powdered bones of Saturn. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, something about the worship of rocks in this book. Well, it's funny when you were talking about um, the the bones and stones, the water, like the four elements. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and out myself here for anyone who doesn't, for anyone who listens to this podcast who doesn't already know me, <laughs> like, <in> my, <laughs> which may be a, Maybe a small but proud demographic, we yet to be determined. Um, I used to work uh, in Waldorf schools and in different kinds of ways. And they do, um, there is a lot of like, there's a lot that's problematic. We can definitely unpack like Uncle Rudolf Steiner. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna do a Steiner episode eventually. I mean, we can do so many, we can do them about, yeah, he has, He was. He he did. He had many facets to him for sure. But uh, when they do, there there is like this kind of magical Christianity underpinning in mm-hmm. the Waldorf schools. So when you get into December, which is actually is when Saturnalia happens. So mm-hmm. there's this. There's an interesting kind of like turning in towards that Saturn um, energy around the end of the year, which I yes. think. So harken back to the fact that he is associated with time and that it's kind of like it's it's a reckoning it's uh like i was saying with the saturn return it's kind of a you're like looking at the lists and you're looking at the sort of in coming in and going out and like doing the numbers and um crunching it all you get a hint of like weighing your feather at that time it's definitely like wait yeah, d- yeah the way the weighing of the feather for sure enters into that um imagery and the thing i was going to say about that is that when they they have the advent, so all the four weeks leading up to when you have Christmas, every week um, there are these four, you know, there are these four beeswax candles and you mm-hmm. put the, all the children sit around and then you put them in the center and they light one for each week. And for each week, there's like a verse that you say, and the first one is is the, the candle, you're like the, the advent week of the stones and the bones. And um the you know the solid things Saturn week. yeah it's saturn week um it's the element it's the the pentacle yeah 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 and i think that that actually that brings up an interesting thing about earth you know because we're in the winter time you look at the earth and you see the skeletal trees and you Mm -hmm. see the the very sere very um stripped down pared down part of the earth um and that's scarcity there's so much scarcity and then you can easily feel like there will never be abundance again. Yeah, you can definitely feel that way. The days are also shorter, so you're spending more time literally contemplating darkness. And yeah, and death, and the fact that um, with Saturn being so associated with agriculture, um, you know, it hinges on the harvest. And like, Mm -hmm. if you get a shitty harvest, like the real, the reality is that there are people that are just going to like get hungry at that time of winter. Yeah. The groom reaper is going to come by and, uh, and pick up a couple of, uh, customers or passengers (laughs) (laughs) Um, on the farm. I do think like that's the kind of the two parts of, um, Saturn. And I think we get really locked in to this one element of Saturn, which is that like that very Capricorn, like we got to have enough stuff. We have to have solid things. We must have real estate. We must have buildings. We must have resources. We must know that we have 
plenty and then you start to like take it and take it and take it and so other people can't have it our whole culture is built on that bad saturn dad vibe but when it's in balance (laughs) when it's the thing about it too is that the bad saturn dad the real beef i have with the bad saturn dad is the way in which he exploits and devalues and tramples on like good moon mom (laughs) like they don't have a harmonious marriage (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do not. It's very sad to say, because if they did have a harmonious marriage, like everybody would have this sense that like, yeah, sometimes you don't have that much, but like more cool. stuff, will, more right. stuff will come. It's not forever. And I think we're just, you know, we're just stuck in this um, kind of like Groundhog's Day nightmare where you get up every day and think, shit, I don't have enough. I'm never going to have enough. And I just have to like take whatever soft parts of myself there are and like either give them to other people because nobody's given them any value. This mm-hmm. is the priceless, pricelessness, worthlessness continuum. Like nobody's like, oh, wow, you have such a kind heart. Let me give you a lot of money for that. Yeah, I'll buy you a house and <laughs> we'll leave you alone. Will you be kind in there? <laughs> you know, like you, I noticed you've got a really kind heart. Do you think like maybe you might want to like do me some favors? Yeah. I, I can't to pay you or anything but yeah. like you know, it's just the kids like you and yeah you know, could you just like come by and like watch them for you know like that kind of shit totally that kind of shit it happens a lot oh can you do this for me for almost no money i mean that's exactly what you just said pretty much but like oh it makes me think of a thing that happened at a recent job of mine <laughs> a man asked if i would work as wait staff at a party he was having and it was well not- you also that, that the job was not like to be clear you weren't I, all the I was managing a bookstore <laughs> yeah. there was nothing about the job that would suggest I wanted to work as wait staff at this guy's party for a hundred dollar yeah. flat fee in Santa Monica across town from where I live mm-hmm. and it was like he didn't take no for an answer it took like three rounds of emails it was a mm-hmm. whole big nightmare actually but this man felt entitled to use me as cheap labor because I had been nice to him on a couple of occasions mm-hmm. <laughs> And he also yep. felt entitled to insist when I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And there's also, there's that built-in implication that... I'm good at housework? Well, no, more so that like, well, that, there's that. Yeah, there's this like, oh, a woman, she must, you know... She knows how to wash things. Yeah, she was she food. can scrape a plate, no problem. Yeah. But, but it's more that implication of like, but don't you understand how great it is that I've asked you? I know. Like, I'm paying you on my validation. Great. <laughs> You should be saying, yeah. yeah, I'm paying you with like all of the invisible satisfaction that I even thought about you at all for totally. any reason. Like, totally. you know? Yeah, your validation is not going to pay my rent. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, but it's like, podcast that's... listeners, thank you for listening to our podcast. Yeah, if you're still here, thank you. <laughs> you're here at all. Thank you. Well, it's, it's like the when you look at the jobs people have that you get paid a shit ton for, you know, you've got like people on wall street, Mm -hmm. what they do. And honestly, like, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I think if you like stack it side by side, I think the work that um, child, you know, like nannies do is way work. Nannies do as much more work than work that they do (laughs) more work. Outrageously more work. And also like the, the sacrifices being made, like, of people that work as nannies who maybe like have to 
they, they have to give up time with their own children yes. so that they can like help raise somebody else's. And the thing about that work is I've done a lot of that kind of work and I've, had, I've done it for some really, really nice people too, yeah. is that ultimately then there's this day where they don't need you anymore and they're like, yeah. oh, you know, my kid is now. Yeah. <laughs> they can totally like, I, they can take the bus and like, you know, like we don't yeah. have a dog, so we can't offer you a dog walking position. <laughs> and they don't have another family to pass you along to because that family's kids are grown too. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I should mention about this guy with the $100 cater waiter job, I am a single mom and he was asking me to go to Santa Monica and do this on my day off. <laughs> and like tried to offer that I could even bring my son along if I had to. <laughs> Like, that is not a favor, guy. Not a favor. Not a favor. That's not yeah. what a favor is like. No. But that kind of energy, um, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. And Do trying to navigate that kind of energy has been a lifelong project, as it is for, you know, most women, I think. Uh, as it is for most people who aren't rich white and white or, like, privileged in that way, you know? Right. It's, I mean, I think it's really easy to just, like, blanket say rich and white because that is, like, the most that is the majority, but there's like people yeah. in, you know, of all. Well, using rich and white as the archetype, but there are some variations within that. <laughs> I think anyone who's sort of come into this world the way it has been for the past however long and is not kind of, what do they say? Like, um, well, there's like you win the sperm lottery or you're like, you're dropped on third base. Or like <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, yeah, people not Born, uh, you know, within a culture of entitlement, I guess, is a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Born within such a culture of entitlement that they, you know, have lived in a bubble of never getting pushback from people, I guess. <laughs> you're here on earth for a short time. Go out in the world. Listen to what other people are saying when you're curious about things. I just yeah, don't, don't, be, don't be afraid to ask questions because I think Not a lot of people... That. A lot of people feel like when you ask a question, it somehow diminishes you. Yeah, because you're revealing that you don't know something as if everybody else in the world can't already tell that you don't know anything slash doesn't know anything themselves, except for about a few little things. Yeah, I mean, I, I came up with this motto. I don't, I don't actually expect to have a tombstone when I'm dead. I'd rather probably just be like wrapped in one of those mushroom remediation suits and kind of just like rolled into some nettles somewhere. I think uh -huh. that's... <laughs> or my plan but I was thinking like if there were words on a monument or a tombstone or like maybe I'd like someone to like carve something and do a nice stump with a good view somewhere because <laughs> like that sounds nice I do always really enjoy like when I'm in a bench and I sit on a bench and there or when I'm in a park and sit on a bench and there's like a little plaque that says someone's name on it I'm like oh that was good like this person yeah. probably went for lots of walks here and like mm -hmm. their family knows how much they love this place I was thinking I wanted to say like die curious <laughs> because I, I feel like it's such a joy and such a gift and we're so lucky to get to not know things and I know. To things all the time and to constantly be discovering how much you don't know and that you can never know it all it's just like oh it's, it's so thrilling yeah it's wonderful it's oh it's like the greatest greatest thing and so it, I get really sad for people when they think they've got it all and they're like nope no more needed this is it this is like how it's going to be and this is always how it's going to be because you're really denying yourself a lot when you when you come at it from that direction you are denying yourself a lot it's a I don't know I mean I grew up in Sacramento and I feel like uh, that's the kind of hometown where a lot of the people 
you know, we're pretty set at like 17, 18. <laughs> and they just inherited more sophisticated feelings when they needed them from their parents. Um, so there's very little variation in, you know, opinion, sophistication, curiosity level. Yeah. Where do the curious go? Where do the people go who want to be left alone by the bullshit parts of <laughs> culture? I mean, I think the glorious thing about being curious is when you're curious, you can go anywhere. Yeah. I think when you're curious and when you come into a space and you, you, you kind of let you read the room <laughs> mm -hmm. and you let the space kind of show you how much of it there, you know, is like mm -hmm. cool to take up. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's when like so many like incredible things happen. Like you just, you gain so much in this way that, um, I mean, I really, I really strive to, to cultivate that like as much as I can as I careen around. <laughs> Do we have any like idea of how we can um, like provide some couples counseling to these two aspects of, you know, like Saturn, like how, how to, I mean, this is going to just sound dumb, but like make Saturn holistic again, <laughs> you know, or like make Saturn like, you know, Saturn it, like fucking listen. I mean, integrate I like Saturn, Saturn's like guys walking around. Uh, he needs an ego lesson. I think the overemphasis on the Saturn kind of energy has caused in people for some of the intuitive, receptive types of energy to atrophy. Mm -hmm. We live in a really materially focused world now. So I think it's just a question of practice, um, especially in the contemporary U.S. This is not a spiritually developed culture. <laughs> and the thing that, that worries me, too, because I already see it starting to happen, is like as some of the more like previously marginalized aspects of spirituality mm -hmm. are, are becoming more mainstreamed. Like there's this- but They're being commodified. So that's just well, more Saturn energy. Exactly. That's kind of what I was going to say is, is that feeling where it's like you find like some kind of wonderful flower. I mean, like you could have an example of like a flower that grows in the rainforest that you find out has all of these incredible properties, you know, like it's really medicinal. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that happens is like a fucking pharmaceuticals company comes and like patents it. And, and then like, let anyone else even have it. Like let, it's just, yeah. it's so damaging. And you're ultimately damaging yourself is the, is the, the real thing, but I'm less worried about you damaging yourself than I am about like denying access to other people who, you know, right. you're denying access to. Yeah, or I mean, you can even get into like, there's so much in terms of like the history of this country, like starting with slavery and then going into like popular music in America, going into um, professional sports in America and just all these ways that like there are these people that are gifted and talented and like have these like wonderful things to um, impart and to share for people to enjoy and they have like a real generosity about it and then these like stingy ass motherfuckers like act like they, yeah. they like they act like it's like they're fucking you know like cash cow and yeah. that that's all real that's all happening that's all fucking like, I hate that idea that, like, you would see something or it's like, it reminds me, like, I, I think I keep thinking about Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, but, yeah. like, it reminds me there was that episode where um, Lisa Simpson shows him how um, the uh, 
the little can holders from beer cans, you know, like the old plastic ones uh -huh. that, the, um, oh, yeah, yeah. This one? Yeah. Um, that, that turtles get caught in and that was the whole thing. You really had to cut them up so that, yeah. that wouldn't happen. And so she shows him that and Mr. Burns is like, oh yes, I see now. I, I, you've really taught me something, little girl. And then he opens <laughs> a factory <laughs> where he, he makes like a giant sheet of them and uses <laughs> and he starts like dumping them all into this big old you know cauldron and then he makes slurry and he puts lisa's picture on the can oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's kind of what it is and that's why i like i feel very um like apprehensive always when things kind of like come up and bob up to the surface and like catch the eye of this kind of energy yeah as it's like, oh, I think I understand, but I actually just understand how to like exploit and destroy this thing. The uh, Mulholland Fountain is not too far from where I live, and you haven't watched Chinatown, people of the world watch Chinatown, but there's a plaque that says, there it is, take it. That's what he said about the water, William Mulholland. Like, gross. The plaque is gross. Every time I see it, a shiver runs down my spine. <laughs> but it's that spirit which, you know, has often been called the pioneering spirit of like, oh, I see that thing. I want it. Yeah. And that's also like to say the word pioneer um, actually like landed right at the heart of what I was thinking about when you were saying that. I started thinking about like Hetch Hetchy, the reservoir. Yep. And, like that was the history of the expansion with, um, you know, mostly European settlers coming yep. into the United States and the indigenous people where they'd be like, oh, this land is now our land, but you can have like this kind of shitty little piece yeah. of land. That's cool. Yeah, and then cool. like the minute that like a resource appears on that land, they're like, just kidding. Like, actually it's ours too. There's like yeah. even your parcel of land over there, like here, have some blankets. They might, they might have smallpox <laughs> on them, but we don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's just, yeah. It's outrageous. It's like, aren't you ashamed? Like, aren't you embarrassed that you're like so completely transparently just fucking grabby and greedy people are very good at displacing and transferring their shame to the people that they do terrible stuff to oh yeah you and then they try to kind of they, they try to like pave over those people too so that they don't have to see something that might make them feel right. yeah like their feelings to see the terrible things yeah that's like because that's kind of <laughs> like the aperture that's like that first little like tickle of yeah. like oh oh like I feel like maybe I should maybe I should feel a little bit bad about this yeah and that like then you immediately kind of like cover it up or like look away or do whatever but like I think that's really where the um like the goodness flows in or like the the true right. healing begins because it begins with a lot of discomfort and a lot of pain and a lot of having to reflect on yourself and a you lot of really yeah. go inside and examine all of those things that make you uncomfortable if you want to grow and let go of it improve past it or you could just keep being an asshole forever <laughs> that's true. that is that is also that's that's on the table <laughs> that's in fact the easier option i think uh given what we're presented you know in the form of shit to buy and consume and do and watch mm. Whew, anything else about Saturn? I don't know. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk to my dad. He is not someone I can tolerate. Uh, yeah. 
Well, it's not. It's going to be after Father's Day when this airs, but it is just before Father's Day as we record. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I think I'm all Saturned out. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Saturn put me through the ringer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, listeners. Bye, Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you if you're here for being here. Bye, Jillian. Thank you for being here, too. Bye, Brooke.